to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Welcome to the Village Vision Podcast, where community collaboration and care converge. I'm Dr. Crystal Morrison, and I'm honored to be your host on this incredible journey. As a firm believer in the power of a united village, I'm thrilled to bring you inspiring stories, research, and projects that break down barriers in family and child care. Through heartfelt conversations with experts, advocates, and those with lived experiences, we'll showcase the transformative impact of collective support. So join me on the Village Vision podcast as we explore the remarkable collaborations that lead to better outcomes, foster a sense of community, and inspire action to improve care for ourselves and everyone around us. On today's episode, I'm here with Jeremy Rockford, Life and Relationship Coach for Neurodiverse Men and Families. With a BA in Communication Studies and over 20 years of conflict resolution experience, Jeremy is no stranger to the art of problem-solving communication. With two neurodivergent children and his own later-in-life autism diagnosis, he specializes in helping husbands and families. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So I, I definitely want to talk about your work with, with coaching your clients and the work you're doing with NeuroFam. But before we go there, I would love to have you share with our listeners more about the why behind your work. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal story and that, how that led to the work you're doing today? Yeah, I think the short answer for the why is we wanted to be the resource that we wish we had as right. we were navigating our children's diagnosis and my own diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that kind of manifested was when it was suggested that our son was on the spectrum, it really kind of hit us out of nowhere because we didn't mm-hmm. have any history. We didn't have any one in the family. Like we had such little, like our only example was I was in a band with a guy who had a son who's autistic like that's all I okay okay and so when you get that information it's kind of like whoa you get sort of taken aback and you kind of go through all those stages of like I don't know and then there's the the grief and the denial and all of that and then you start to advocate and you start to see like oh wow okay this really actually a is this is describing our child but also this isn't a death sentence like this just right. means that this is a different way of doing life different than we anticipated but not bad just different right and in those moments when you're struggling to figure out like what do we do next because everything we've been taught about parenting is just about not going to work <laughs> and you kind of go to the internet and the inter- internet seems very split you know it's either a lot of clinical information or a lot of antidotal let's blame and complain and like death right. and misery. And it, my wife and I just said, we're okay with this, but we want something to move forward. Like we don't want to try to fix him. We don't want to try to blame anyone. We just want to say, our son's autistic. What do we need to do to put him in the best place possible to succeed? Exactly. And it was hard to find resources. And as we were kind of going through that, a lot of the things that 
from the DSM explained our son also explained our daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, great. We're, we're completing the set. Both kids are now on the spectrum. <laughs> and then as we continue to advocate and try to put them in the best situation possible and do as much research as we can, a lot of my quirks started to make sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it kind of came to be. And I looked at the back at that sort of four-year arc between their diagnosis and my diagnosis where it was like, man, I, I wish someone would have had a positive way to support the process. I, I wish there would have been some positivity around this instead of the Facebook groups of life's over or you're never going to reach your dreams now. And it's just like, hold up. The, this isn't a deficiency. It's just a simply a different way of looking at things. Right. And because my wife and I have always had different jobs, I have work that typically runs on a Mac and she has work that typically runs on a PC. That whole mindset of, well, you can't run Microsoft Word through a Mac automatically, but if you want Microsoft to run a Mac, you can make it happen, right? It, it, like that whole mindset is what really took over how we approached autism. It was not a deficiency. Like, yes, there may be some inherent things that aren't automatic in their life and mine, but it doesn't mean we can't do the things we want to do. We may have mm -hmm. to go different ways about it, but right. it doesn't mean life's over. Definitely. And there was a lot of that lacking. And so that was really the heart behind how all this started of wishing we had these things to support us, wishing there was a voice of positivity in this Agreed. arena and going back after kind of working through this for the past five years going, well, okay, we've got to a place where we figured some things out. Mm -hmm. How can we now go back into the space and say who like us is completely okay with this, but they need someone to look to who affirms that it's okay to be okay with this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've definitely, you know, my, my children are, are much older than yours and, you know, when my son officially finally received his diagnosis, it wasn't a huge shock because, you know, we had been on a, a journey, <laughs> a journey for, for a number of years at that point. But there at that time were surprisingly little resources. And this was, you know, 15, 16 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. But, you know, as the years continued, you always hope that there become more resources. And there are, you know, there's more awareness now. But you're right. There's still so many communities, whether they're in person or online, where parents are spending a lot more time attacking each other than they are actually like uplifting each other and providing support. Or there's images that are not positive and there's, you know, people talking about restrictions as opposed to certain opportunities and, and the different lens that autism provides to the world. And without question, we all know that autism is a spectrum diagnosis. It's as different as our fingerprints are, is as different as autism is for people who have been diagnosed with it. And so I, like you, really have struggled over the years finding a community that's uplifting and supportive rather than just trying to find grenades to throw at each other, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeremy, we're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors, and we will be right back on the Village Vision podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. 
She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us, www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. And we're back on the Village Vision podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. I'm here today with Jeremy Rockford, and we're talking about NeuroFam, his work, his role as a father and as a husband, and neurodiversity. So we've talked a little bit about your background and the why behind your work that you're doing today. But let's dig into that and talk more about the work, your role as a coach, your role as a speaker, specific things that you're doing to really help people on their journey with neurodiversity. Yeah, so thank you for asking. And one of the things that I realized and got affirmed early on was that there are a lot of women in this space who speak positively of it, but there weren't a lot of strong male voices. And it was suggested to me that if this was a space I wanted to get into or was considering, that it would be helpful because quite often, and and even with my own struggles, I I saw in real life, it's quite often the male in the family who struggles most to accept the diagnosis in their children. And it's also the male who statistically is genetically the one who is kind of the autistic in the family because of the ratio. And so because I struggled for a while, it took about three months of an arc to really go through the acceptance process. Like I'm, I'm happy that I got to the point after three months where everything was awesome. Mm -hmm. But I would talk to like-minded people who, you know, they'd be 18 months into neurocuriousness and they're like well it's been suggested our kids on the spectrum but i don't we haven't we don't know and you're like that's 18 months of struggle that your child doesn't need to endure if you just are okay with exploring this Mm -hmm. and what i found was a not wanting to see the kids struggle because it is a different world like when you have autism you do see things differently and i know with our son he would be put in places where he would have extreme meltdowns and he was deemed as a behavioral problem. Right. And it wasn't behavioral. Like just a real quick story, if I may. Yeah. So his entire life, every adult he's ever known has said, you must be safe in a vehicle. Please buckle your seatbelt. Whether it's a car, a airplane, safety first. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on the bus to school. Right which doesn't have a seatbelt. Right. And so he is freaking out and no one's taking the time to say what's going on here. Yeah. Because they're deeming his behavior as the problem. They're not looking at the root causality. Mm -hmm. And so once we were able to 
get the diagnosis and advocate and, and get him on a bus that actually had seatbelts, he got to the point where he was about to be tested for gifted because the behavioral stuff went away. Sure. The emotional stuff went away. I mean, it's still there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> he still has regulation and behavioral issues. However, we're trying our best to put him into a place where he can succeed. Exactly. And it breaks my heart when other kids don't have that because the parents are resistant because of the label. Mm-hmm. But then you take that a step further. If they themselves are neurocurious or it's been suggested that maybe they're on the spectrum, I've met a lot of men who will self-diagnose, but they'll take it to the point where they'll think about it, but they won't fully commit to it because of the label. And once I got my diagnosis, honestly, it was a cheat code. Like I I go back to Contra, like old school Nintendo, right? Like 99 (laughs) lives. But once I got my diagnosis, I can look back on the past 40 years of my life and go, this all makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. It didn't justify some of my behaviors, but it completely explained them. Mm-hmm. And whenever I was able to bring that into my marriage, my marriage got so much better. Because now, if we had an argument, because we're human, we're not always going to agree. But if I felt the need to walk away, I could explain I'm dysregulated. I need five to 10 minutes to get calm. I want to come back and talk about this. And I can say that now because I know it's a dysregulation issue, whereas before it was, oh, you always avoid situations, can't, not a man, ah. you can't handle the problem. And it's like, no, no, like literally I'm about to black out because of the anxiety because I'm dysregulated. Yeah. So now my wife and I can have these conversations where it's like if we don't agree on something, I can say, I just need five, ten minutes. I'm going to get calm. I'm going to come back. We're going to hit this strong. And the communication in our marriage has gotten better. My ability to read situations has gotten better because I can understand, okay, there's a lot of people. Why am I freaking out? Because I'm autistic. Okay. Right. And even before we had the diagnosis, when I would do comedy or I would do public speaking, and years ago when I did music, we couldn't understand why after every performance, I needed two hours of solitude to like walk around a Walmart or something. Ah, yeah. Now now we know. I I masked so intensely. Uh-huh. that once I didn't have to mask, I could just go, ah. but literally it drew everything out of me. Yeah. And so for the work that I do with NeuroFam, it's, it's primarily coaching adult men who are either on the spectrum themselves, are thinking they might be, or are parents of neurodiverse children so that they can get as comfortable with what autism is and what it isn't so that the entire family unit can thrive. And my wife, just like she's a partner in marriage, she's a partner in this as well, because quite often it's an ND husband with an NT wife. And so my wife, who will be the neurotypical, will do group coaching so we can have the ND perspective to the challenge and the NT perspective to the challenge. And not only can we look at it from the psychological and scientific aspect, we can also go, okay, here's how we did it over the past 25 years. Here's where we failed. Here's where we succeeded. Oh, you're having similar patterns like we did when it wasn't working. Well, no worries. We get that. Let's maybe try some of these things. Right. And so really trying to bring the heart of the work of we're happy. Mm -hmm. We don't have it all figured out, but at least we have a lot of reasons to the behaviors now, both for myself and my children. And it all stems around the acceptance of what autism is, what it isn't, 
and how you can incorporate in your life or your life incorporate it, however you want to choose that. But how do we do this in the most beneficial, positive way in a society that still tends to use a very derogatory label with it? Yeah. You know, I have a friend of mine. They were diagnosed self-diagnosed as an adult and then officially diagnosed and their story around some of the things that were going on in their childhood and as an adult and just the things that they've experienced, it's pretty significant. And what has been so cool about the way they share and experience the world now is that, uh, you know, they were at our house, we had dinner, we had friends over, we're talking and chatting and they said after about, I don't know, an hour, two hours, and I may have shared this with you, they said, I'm going to take a sensory break in the living room. And I was like, that's freaking fantastic. Right? It's like we there's this group of adults who have been hanging out together socially. They need a timeout to go and sit calmly in the living room with headphones on while we continue chatting. But there was nothing abnormal about that because there was this level of awareness, there was this level of acceptance and transparency. And then, you know, after 30 minutes or so, they rejoined us and we had, you know, the remainder of the evening. And I have shared that story so many times because, first of all, I was so excited that this person did that. But second, it just showed me how more aware and accepting we are in general and that yeah it's okay to take a time out when you are overloaded in a social setting because you know there weren't really that many people at our house there were maybe eight but we were in a smaller area in the dining room and it was loud and we were chatting and it's a lot and I have a son who is neurodiverse and he had to check out out way before this other individual did. And I understood why. He didn't say anything, but I understood why he didn't need to. But it was so cool that this person was just, I'm going to go to the living room. I'm going to have a sensory break. Please continue. No big deal. I just thought it was fantastic. So I had to share that. <laughs> no, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that's one of the things that furthers the advocacy for yeah. the acceptance and the appreciation of it. Because in a similar manner, you know, my my wife used to give me a hard time about going to the bathroom. She'd be like, oh, you go to the bathroom. It takes you forever. Well, I'd go to the bathroom and I'd just have to sit there and breathe. My, oh, my yeah. sensory breaks, but yeah, before I had my diagnosis, my sensory breaks were like, let's go to the bathroom, pr- pretend we're dropping a deuce. And yeah. right, but it take was really, like, <laughs> it deep, which is an unfortunate place to have to take deep breaths, but yeah. it's like you do, you work with what you can, right? But yeah. like, but in the same way, like before my diagnosis, it was how do I kind of keep these things in secret because I don't want to be the weird one. Ah. Now that the diagnosis is here and now that I see it through the lens of my kids, it's like, yeah, hey, you know, I love you. I just got to step outside. I need some fresh air. It's going to take a quick regulation break, which as a kid of the 80s and the 90s, if someone said that via smoking, we wouldn't question them. We'd be like, oh, dude needs a smoke break. Why wouldn't you, right? So right. why can't we normalize this too? It's much yeah. healthier. We're breathing <laughs> not toxins. So, yeah. so I feel like I love that story because I feel the further we can normalize this, because if you look at each DSM, like with each DSM, one in 200, one in 78, one in 40, one in 30, like we're learning so much more now 
about how prevalent autism actually is mm-hmm. that I'm excited to see where we're at 20 years from now. Will it be one in 20? Will it be one in 10? Right. Because it is a spectrum. And if you're only casting your net on this side of the spectrum, well, then you have this much of the spectrum that's in NT world that is actually on the spectrum that doesn't know. Yeah. And I think that's one yeah. of the challenges with the later in life diagnosis is you've got a lot of people who, you know, they were maybe tested 20 years ago versus different standards. Whereas now, because we know so much more, they'd be on the spectrum and that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And then you could talk openly about these 20 minute bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in the coaching that you do, I'm sure much like the autism, all of your clients are different and have very different needs, but what do you find are some of the most common things that you tend to be working through with your clients? It honestly, it tends to be, and, and the world, the world has a, an amazing way of edifying itself. So when I got a communication degree in public relations 20 years ago, I had no idea how deeply I'd be using it because <laughs> so much of what I do revolves around communication and how to mitigate, reduce, and avoid conflict through words. Because one of the challenges that individuals on the spectrum have is social cues and black and white thinking. I'm right. You're wrong. So if I just tell you more aggressively, you'll understand my point, <laughs> right? And, and so walking people through the reality that there might be a different perspective on this conversation. And there are sects of people where the gray area is their black and white and really coaching people on the art of conversation and the art of relationships in terms of a lot of autistic individuals are transactional. I need this. I'm going to talk to you then. Well, Mm -hmm. the world doesn't always operate that the world operates very relationally. So walking people through the difference between, you know, transactional relationships versus relational relationships. And especially when it comes to the parenting side of things, Something that's been really helpful is uh, the concept of reciprocal regulation. Quite often what happens is the kid will get angry, which then upsets the parent because the kid will do something and the parent will feel threatened. They won't say they feel threatened, but the parent will feel like you're not listening to me. I have to be more aggressive to be the dominant presence. Yeah, to step it up. Uh Which doesn't work to autistic children. (laughs) And that's what we learned from our our first kid. He would go off the handle. As soon as something would go wrong, he'd be like, I'm the worst kid ever. And we're like, no, 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 no. You're good. You just made a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And so in having to make a place where he could read us so that we could say, hey, hey, buddy, we're not screaming at you. Why are you screaming at you? Oh, Do, do you think if we were as upset as you were, we'd be yelling at you? Yeah, but are we yelling at you? No. Well, what this helped me with was, A, it gives me a very inherent reason to stay calm because to be the best parent I can be, I need to be calm for him because mm-hmm. I could be kindling to his fire, and oh, that's not sure. smart. But what it also helped me with my own regulation of if I go into a conflict with my wife or if I go into a conflict with someone else, the same thing. If they're upset, I can't be more upset than they because that's never going to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Prior to the diagnosis, it would have been like, well, I, I just, I'm right. I'm the alpha. I have to show you how I'm right. I will statistically prove to you I'm right. <laughs> but that doesn't help. You can be right 
But if it doesn't help, it doesn't matter. And so quite often what we do is beyond just the acceptance and the confidence in it, it's the communication aspect for both child and adult. It's the communication for the parents because quite often the ND doesn't anticipate the needs of the NT spouse. So Mm -hmm. they come across as cold and disconnected. But to them, they're in their own world, and that's fine. So helping them understand that there's a different world and starting to help them understand that, that these can be learned behaviors. You can learn to start conversations. You can learn to have pleasantries. You can learn to listen and not always solve. Because when your spouse brings you a problem, it's not transactional. It's relational. They just (laughs) want to talk to you, right? So a lot of the communication issues that quite often the the AS husband struggles with, we get to work one-on-one with not just via communication theory from the professional level, but from the personal level, it's, Here's where I messed it up for 15 years, but here's how it's worked out very well now that I know it. And it, it kind of becomes this really positive circle where the better your communication is to your spouse and your children, the better your relationships are. Well, now the better your relationships are, the more you want to share that. So now your communication is better because you want that. And it's just showing a different world that most of us don't know if we're on the spectrum and knowing how to appreciate it and find your place in it. And really helping people have the confidence in knowing that it's just a different operating system. You're Mm -hmm. not wrong. You're not broken. You're just a Mac trying to run Microsoft Office. (laughs) What do we need to do to make sure you can use Excel or Word? Yeah. I think that awareness, acceptance, and even appreciation, the importance of that I see it in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that I've seen it be so important is that for 20 years now, I felt I had the translation book Mm. on my child because I knew my child so well. I knew his triggers. I knew his, the types of scheduling he needed, the types of structure that he needed. I, I knew how to intercede with empathy and sort of, you know, help bring down some of the dysregulation. But I felt like I was the only one with that code book, that trans, that ability to translate. And it's incredibly difficult feeling like you're the only one with that code book because the rest of the world just sees a child who is out of control and misbehaving and you're a bad parent right? That's what the rest of the world sees. And I think that as we become more aware and accepting and even appreciative of people on the spectrum, that we can start to see things in our world and say, you know what, I think that kiddo's just having a really tough time right now. And maybe support the parent or maybe give some space or maybe create a quiet spot in the room or whatever is needed. But I've started to see more and more of that happening. And I hope it continues because feeling like I was the only one with the book of translation and continue to be, I'm his person, you know, it can be difficult. But I think a lot of people are becoming more aware. And that's a great thing. I I agree with you. And I feel much like a great television show. Mm -hmm. The more the word gets out, the more the word will get out. Because in a similar way, I've learned so much from my son and I absolutely love him. So, he really wanted to play hockey. 
And we got him in a development program. He did three seasons as a forward and defenseman. But once you added pucks, emotionally, he couldn't understand why. You know, so he would have these meltdowns. He would get so angry that people were taking the puck off him. Yes. But he still loved everything about the game. So we were like, well, why don't we put him in goaltender? Because you could still play hockey, and literally it's illegal for them to take the puck away from you. So he's been doing that for the past three seasons. He's won two championships, and we're still in the third. So it's going well for him. Yeah. Another kid on the team, because I'm so open about the autism, we got to learn there's another kid on the team who's autistic. Mm -hmm. And for the first few games, we didn't know. And so the other coaches were kind of treating him and coaching him like a neurotypical, right? Sure. And because he knows absolutes, he kept getting out of position, right? Where it's like, well, stand here. And it's like, well, no, don't stand there. Yeah. And he's like, well, you just told me to stand here, right? Like, well, it's like, <laughs> well, stand there until the ball moves, right? Yes. And so once we knew he was on the spectrum, I was able to coach him in a way that I would coach my son. Well, now we've got two games left in the season. He's the second leading scorer on the team. Yeah. Because I was able to relate the game to him the way that I know his mind would see it. And yeah. so now hopefully – his life has been impacted and the coaches I work with, their lives have been impacted because now they're going to go into every season going, okay, if I see these trades, I'm going to wonder. Yeah. And hopefully five, 10, 20 years from now, we'll be so open with it that we can coach these kids in a different way so they can still be a part of the team and also have as much enjoyment as they're having now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're in second place. My son's crushing it in goalie. I will leave the kid's name out, but the, the other autistic yeah. kid's second on the team is scoring. Like, they're thriving in an NT. Like, there's, just, there's no difference yeah. except for there's a difference. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's where we're getting. It's a slow roll. And I think people like you and I and everyone you talk to, we're trying to bring some positivity to a fairly dark space. But the more we're open about it, the more we enjoy the humans as the humans and not mm-hmm. the problem society wants to make them out to be the more the positivity around the diagnosis will spread, the more acceptable it'll be, and the more we'll have these little decoder rings, the more we'll have these translation books because it won't be so kept distance because we can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll share a quick story. I was thinking about while you were talking about your son and goalie and the the other little guy. My oldest son played t-ball and baseball Mm. for a couple of years, and this idea of position on the field, like stand here, right? Well, that was stand there. And then, I don't know, look up at the airplanes or there's a butterfly or play in the grass. Don't move anywhere because you're standing there. (laughs) There's all this other stuff going around on around you. And yeah, so baseball was not an easy concept, but he loved other sports and is very good at snow skiing and rock climbing and all of these other things but the idea of playing a position but just standing there and waiting for something to happen he was off you know looking at airplanes and that was much more exciting so yes airplanes I mean I love airplanes (laughs) well we're gonna wrap up today and I would love for you to share with our listeners how they can find you, connect with you, and the type of work that you can do with them through NeuroFam. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the two best places would be direct to the R Neurofam website. So it's OURneurofam.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Rochford. So it's just my name, nothing too clever. You know, what we try to do with Neurofam is we work with families. So we try to work with couples, whether they're NDNT. I work with men specifically for their journey, and we just help build them up. We help them love and appreciate where autism is in their life whether it's through their own journey or their kid's journey or both. Because our thought process is if we can make the adults better, then that's going to help make the kids better. And the healthier everyone is, the better we'll be as a society. So our goal is to not solve anything. Our goal is not to fix anything. Our goal is to take where you're already at and just simply make it better. I love that. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And for those of you who are listening, we will have all of Jeremy's information in the show notes and additional contact information will be there where you can find him. But thanks again, Jeremy. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Village Vision podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights from our conversation today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, share all of the things, but thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Village Vision podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. Take care and let's keep shining a light on the power of community collaboration and care. She is sure. She is, sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true.